welcome to Slash Report season four premiere. Uh, I'm Prue, and I'm joined as ever by my partner in crime, MK. Hello. Hi. And we have a very special guest, Ayaleska. Hello. Hey. Um, and we are here as our omnibus and now traditional uh, season opener about Sherlock. Yeah, the trick is they just have to keep making seasons. Or when Sherlock stops, we'll just stop podcasting forever. Yeah, that's actually a good idea, because we can't keep this going for all time, right? No. I've got yeah. stuff to do. Good. That's the new plan. So as soon as Sherlock stops, you know, happening, we'll just shut it all down. Okay. Deal. <laughs> uh, but before that happens, guys, guys, after two, literally two years, Sherlock season four finally just happened. How do we feel? What are our thoughts? What are our feelings? <laughs> and obviously, everyone listening to this podcast this is going to be very spoiler heavy. We're aware that the first episode has, um, as of today, January 20th, when we're recording, the first episode has run on PBS, and we're going to try and put this out after all three episodes have run in the U.S. But just in case you haven't seen it yet, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, shut it down and just wait, because trust it. me, it'll ruin it for you. You know, that's a good place to start for the season premiere. You didn't really ruin it for you, because, you know, now that I think about it, I don't know that it would have. It kind of ruined it for me. Like, not a lot, but I would say, like, 20% ruined it for me. Um, so, really? Yeah, to give everyone background, Prue uh, and I both tried to eliminate all spoilers from our lives going into this, because we couldn't watch it until, like, this week. Which was absolutely absurd and almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, it was almost impossible. Um, and I managed to, like, I had none on Twitter, I didn't have any on my RSS feeds, I had, like, almost none on Tumblr, and, like, the day before I was gonna sit down and watch this entire season of Sherlock, somebody just, like, untagged, posted a giant fucking spoiler on Tumblr, which was about Mary not being Mary. Um, oh. Yeah, so I was watching it, and I was like, okay, is she, like secretly working for Moriarty? Is she an assassin? Is she, like, the whole time, every episode, I'm like, I like her a lot. She's cool. She must be evil. What is her deal? Yeah. What is her deal, right? And every time, like, all the things that, in retrospect, Sherlock figures out, like, her noticing the cipher and stuff, the whole time I'm like, evil. She's so evil. How's she gonna betray them? Yeah. <laughs> Aw, that actually sucks. It kind of sucks, right? I was like, I really like you. Yeah. When are you going to yeah. try and kill them? All right. But before we before we get into it deep down, let's do a quick one, like, quick summary of the first episode before we start talking about it. We'll do each individual episode, and then at the end, we'll circle back and say, how do we feel about the season as a whole? MK, do you want to get us started on the first step? Uh, yes. Okay. So the first episode um, has basically Lestrade and Anderson going through a series of theories of how Sherlock didn't die, uh, which Lestrade does not really believe, and Anderson's theories are increasingly ridiculous, um, and then transfers into Sherlock actually out there doing a bunch of the stuff that Anderson thinks he's been doing, and half being saved by Mycroft, half saving himself, and being like, it'll be totally fine when I return and tell John I'm still alive. He'll be so happy to see me. Um, From abject pervert point of view, two things that you've skipped over. Okay. Yes. Number one, in Anderson's first imagining where Sherlock jump, bounces back on, like, I don't know, fucking bungee cord or something. And makes out with Molly Hooper. And sweeps Molly Hooper into yeah. this. Like... I was watching this with me. I had, like, a hot flash. Like, straight up. Like, <laughs> holy goddamn. Like, me and my mom jeans were all about that. You just know Anderson has RPF, you know, on his computer. <laughs> but only a certain kind of RPF, as we learned later. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, see, the um, thing is, But that me. was, like, incredibly hot. And I'm one of those people who doesn't actually find Benedict Cumberbatch attractive. And so it's one of those clear, like, I'm only in it for the Sherlock, not so much the Benny aspect, but it worked for me so much. It was like the little hair thing, the hair tassel right before he came. Oh, I'm like getting flushed just thinking about it. And then number two total curve moment, which was Trez Excelente, was when Sherlock was getting his ass beat and Mycroft clearly just watched this happen for several hours before intervening. You're such an asshole. It was the greatest. Like, the minute we saw that Russian hat, I was like, that has to be Mark Gatiss. 
Okay. But it has to be. And if I was Sherlock's older brother, I would watch him get his ass beat for several hours, too. Yeah, the subtitle of the episode should have been, watch Sherlock get his face punched in, knowing full well he deserves every single one of those punches. <laughs> one million punches. That's right. See, the thing is, when they open on the first theory of, like, how Sherlock survived, I didn't realize for a couple minutes that that's what it was. I was like, this is a really weird solution. Like, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> and it's only when he starts... disagree with this. He starts making out with Molly, and I was like, that can't be right. This has to be Molly's fan fiction. Yeah, I was like, this has to be Molly. Yeah, like, for sure. This is, like, Molly's fantasy of how it... Uh, but no, Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he comes back, John is rightfully furious, and also uh, engaged to fake Mary, or real Mary, or whatever we well, want to call you, her. No, no, you don't get to skip over that scene. Come on, you need to actually have to do <laughs> Yeah, come on, tell the whole John thing. <laughs> Alright, I'm taking over, you suck at this. I always suck at it. You do always suck at it. <laughs> Why do you ever let me do this? I always suck at it too, but apparently incrementally less than you. Yeah. So, Sherlock finds out, or basically Mycroft's people tell him that there is a vast uh, network in London and there is a terror attack that is being planned. So Sherlock, it's time to go back. He puts on his coat. He swans up. There's a really great moment where the brothers are talking and you get this interesting insight into their upbringing where they talk about how as children, Mycroft and Sherlock thought that Sherlock was like, dumb they thought that he was a slow kid or something like that because the only other child they had as comparison was mycroft so between the two of them they just clearly decided that sherlock was the one who had some like was just not the brightest bulb in the box Wrote the it short wasn't until later and it wasn't until later that the truth came out but as sherlock is getting ready to go back into london he's like it's gonna be great i'm gonna get the old gang back together i'm gonna get john and mycroft kind of has this amazing look on his face like kid you have no idea what you're walking yourself back into <laughs> and it's true so sherlock goes back to london says his hellos to everybody and decides to make his grand reappearance to John. He loves um, drama. He does love drama because he's a drama queen, as Mary later confirmed. He really is. Um, at the Landmark Hotel, where John is having dinner with Mary Morrison and is trying to propose to her with the most fabulously terrible mustache in the world on his face. Oh my god. And everyone has to give him shit the entire episode for it. They do. It is so exquisite in its awfulness that, like, I felt a shiver of awful delight just looking at it. Like, that thing was meant to, like, have someone sit on it. Like, that is the That only is all I could think about. All I could think about was, like, free mustache rides and just being like, ew! No, I don't want that anywhere <laughs> near my lady parts! <laughs> was the greatest. I wanted him to have some bell bottoms and for him to be like in Debbie Does Dallas. It was the best. Um, but so Sherlock rolls up to the landmark. He thinks he's going to have this like big moment where he dresses up as a waiter and like draws on a stupid little mustache and tries to like surprise John. And John is so nervous about proposing, totally misses it the first three times. And then when he finally catches on, it is truly a beautiful dinnertime farce. I was shocked that he didn't understandably he's furious. It takes Sherlock a second, but he realizes this may not have been the best way to break the news <laughs> to my best friend who has mourned me for two and a half years. Uh, but then he does something great and is like, but no, seriously, are you for real with that mustache? And understandably, John decides to give him what for and attacks him in the landmark. Which leads to a great series of like visual jokes where the next restaurant they go to is much less posh, and they also have another fight in that restaurant and get thrown out. And then the third restaurant they go to isn't even a restaurant, it's a fucking chippy. And uh, they manage not to get thrown out of that only because they have to end the fight before, you know, we reach the inevitable, like, punching conclusion there. Well, but it's great because you see John headbutt Sherlock, and the next shot is Sherlock with blood all over his face, and it's <laughs> wonderful. It is pretty baller. It felt um, very, okay. like, uh, World's End to me, because it's just, like, a series of places where you can have alcohol. I feel like World's End was episode two, actually, but we'll get there. That we'll get, too. We'll get there. Okay, so that's, that's, that's what I wanted to interject. MK, continue. Fuck, I don't know where we are anymore. Uh, <laughs> where are we? 
Um, they go through. Oh, right. No, I, I know where this is going. Okay, I'll take over for a little bit. Okay. Um, Sherlock says, you know, I'm back for a reason, and it's to, it's because London's in all this danger, and whatever, whatever, and let's get back to work, and John's like, oh, fuck you. Um. <laughs> fuck terrorists. I'm going home. Yes, and at this, and at some point, Sherlock also meets Lestrade, who actually hugs him, and it's really sweet, and it's like the one person who doesn't punch him. Um. And then Sherlock goes through this little montage and tries to figure stuff out, but he can't. And then you skip to John getting stabbed in the neck with a needle, I think. Oh, wait, and we have then... to cover the Molly sidekick. Yes. That's for a oh, yeah. Oh, that was there? Okay. As he's investigating this network and is not having any action, like, you know, convincing John not to murder him on site. He's like, I need a dumb person to accompany me. Yeah, so he conscripts Molly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Poor Molly. I just want to point out that the fact that we can't remember the sequence of anything tells you all you need to know about how shitty the structure of the episode was. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think we need to get this one out of the way. Like, just so that everyone listening can um, understand the viewpoints that are coming in this. I thought the series was completely delightful. And in terms of where it went off the rails, I think it was because there was a decision made regarding the structure of episode three that sort of led it in a not good direction. And if you had changed that, it would have been fine. And I think MK is generally positive about it. Whereas Aya fucking hated this series. Like, she hates it so much. <laughs> is that fair to say? Uh, I, uh, I have a love-hate relationship as usual. I love little individual bits of it, but as a whole, yeah, I'm puking blood over here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like the one of the reason that I feel like it's hard for me to remember the actual individual steps is the one thing that you pointed out very ably as we were watching this is that this is not a case file. It's not like none of the three episodes are cases. They're just like things that sort of happen in one long smear of events. That's a really but, good point. Yeah, there's like yep. no cases at all. And since I don't give a fuck about cases, for the most part... Um, it, like, doesn't bother me that much, but if you're looking for the traditional, not even traditional, but if you're looking for Sherlock to do the Sherlock thing, where you, like, figure out an interesting case, like, that can be incredibly frustrating. Right, because I'm in it because I want to watch fucking Sherlock Holmes solve fucking crimes. Which must be why you like the second episode so much better, because it's two frame narratives and two cases. Damn straight. And it was really funny. I mean, yeah. um, I'm sure we'll get there later, but Moffat's really funny, and I have no problems with that, so that's why yeah. I liked it. So okay, moving on. Yes, Sherlock and Molly solve a case. They have a beautiful emotional moment where Sherlock is like, we can't do this again, right? And Molly's like, yeah, I've moved on. I found a dude. We're so happy together. And he's pretty much not a sociopath. Yes. Yep. That's really all you can hope for these days, right? With Molly. With Molly. <laughs> yeah, like zero for two, so yeah. I think it's like Molly and John are almost opposites, right? John attracts sociopaths, and Molly is attracted to sociopaths. And I mean, it's a little bit true both ways, but it's really weird watching it happen to both of them. Right, because John doesn't... I think John is unconsciously after the environment of the sociopath, whereas Molly wants a personality. Yeah, which is kind of sad for Molly. It is. Poor kid. Alright, so then we have to get to the network thing. Right. Um, they don't resolve anything about that network in the first episode, though, do they? No, shit, they do. Uh, it's mentioned. Don't they take down Moran in that episode? No, they do not oh. take down Moran. Guys, there's a bomb. <laughs> Remember the, the, the giant, okay, I was told by someone who watched it like five times that Moran is a giant rat of Sumatra, but I didn't catch it. No, I thought Moran was, um, the dude, the, like, politician. Don't they call him Moran? No. Really? No. No. Okay, because I totally thought that they were calling him Moran, and I was like, really? You're just, like, some dude in Parliament? No. Supposedly, the giant rat agent dude is Moran, but again, I cannot confirm this. Okay. Well, maybe a slash reporter can clear this up first, because I've only seen it once, and that was yesterday in, like, one big swoop. Yeah, pretty much the same for us, but on Saturday, so, All yeah. Right. So the bomb thing is actually, like, I liked this bomb situation where they figure out where the bomb is by, like, talking to that super nerd. Uh, yeah, yes. talking to the tube driver or the, the train. I don't know what that guy was. But he, he works was for the tube. <laughs> yes. And he loves trains so much. 
He loves trains so much. I did find it not very believable that Sherlock wouldn't notice that one uh, car was missing from the tube train. Like, the first time he watches that video. Uh, I think season one Sherlock would have. You're right. I feel like I can buy it either way. Because I think that if you're not... It's one of those things where you're not necessarily going to be counting those every time. And unless you've actually hit upon that as an issue or something to consider, you may not. But either way, it's one of those things where, like, he will occasionally miss stuff. And that is the reason why the case doesn't get solved until later. And I'm okay with that. As, like, a sort of non-Sherlock superhuman moment. Okay. Maybe that's just him being the dumb younger brother. Yeah, clearly. There we go. Mycroft would have known. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I really like, like, the fact that the, the way that he lies to John when they go down into the tube to find the bomb. Oh, yes. Not telling yes. him that he's called the police. Like, just great right off the bat. Because season one, Sherlock wouldn't have called for backup. Yes. Um, so it's yeah. completely believable. Um, but then also the fact that he just switches the bomb off and doesn't tell him because he really wants John to forgive him. Yeah, but like, in a completely asshole, I can attest to this. Like, I was pissed as I was watching that. I oh, was yeah. Like, I would have uh, murdered him. Of course you did, you monster. <laughs> Sherlock is not oh. someone I would want to be friends with, but you can see why John does it. Because he's a moron, and he likes so... He really is a moron. And yeah. I'd like to say, if this was every bomb, then every other, like, movie ever in the world has lied to me. So... <laughs> I personally found that part actually the most outrageous part to me as a viewer. Like, bullshit. But, you know, it's Sherlock. I'll roll with it. It could be one of those things where, like, if you're going to put a bomb somewhere that is, like, a high traffic area, you're not going to have the off switch. But because they assume that nobody will know about this location, it's okay to have an off switch on it. Meh. I'm not going to quibble with whatever they were thinking. Just that was the one thing that I found the most ridiculous. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but I did love I did love it because it while the case did end up taking a very big backseat, it was a hundred percent meant to forward the character relationships, which is really the way that it has to go in this episode, if nothing else. Yeah. Because yes. so furious. And like if you want a show that doesn't just gloss over unreasonably that um, the entire issue of Sherlock faking his death for two years, you have to. Yeah, and I thought it did a good job of endearing Mary to Sherlock. Yeah. Because before it aired, I expected that they would be antagonistic towards each other the way they have been in pretty much every other Sherlock ever. Right. Um, But the fact that she's like, I like you, and I'm going to, like, talk John around so that he'll be good with you again and, like, everything will work out. I thought that was great. Yeah. I mean, except for the part where I was like, she's evil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think that, I think it really helps because, like, the fact that she is evil actually makes that make more sense. Because I feel like on some level, it's like, if this person can forgive Sherlock, then maybe he'll forgive me, too. Yeah. And I'll inevitably get outed about this thing. So, like, that even helped it make more character sense for me. That she would do that. It's a good piece of the arc. Yes. Agreed. So. Plus, I love, like, there's little details, like the fact that, like, when Sherlock sees Lestrade again, he calls him Graham instead of Greg. He tries, like, four different <laughs> names in the course of this series for Lestrade, and all of them are wrong. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. though, I mean, this is just because it's me, but by the third episode, I'm like, fuck, I don't even know what his first name is anymore. He's just, like, G. Lestrade. It could be anything. No, well, that's what, sure. that's what it was in Doyle Cannon, which is why I think the joke is there. Yeah, I also loved little things like Mycroft and Sherlock playing Operation when you think it's chess. That was excellent. I loved every cute. single scene with Mycroft in this entire series, for obvious reasons and not so obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm perfect. What can I say? Um, but yeah, no, I loved I loved the Mycroft Sherlock stuff. Because it was just really excellent insight into their brotherly relationship as well as their childhood, which was excellent. I also love the stuff with Anderson. There's like a series of little pieces with Anderson that I thought were really interesting. Um, Part of it is like, 
you know, the fact that Sherlock has basically driven him mad and tells him what we can only assume is the real story of how he survived or whatever, but it's really just to fuck Anderson over <laughs> after that fake case that he set up. Right. Um, and, okay, going back to that first scenario that Anderson describes that I kind of thought was real, part of the reason I thought it was real was I didn't know that the hypnotist dude is a famous person. <laughs> and I was like, that's ridiculous, but sure, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure it's just someone Sherlock knows. Right? Like, just like yeah, a I member of the I didn't know, just for the record, so. Good. I'm, like, I'm glad it's not just me. There's like some hypnotist. I think, more, I think he's more famous in the UK than he is stateside. Yeah. Mm. But still. It was like some dude, hypnotist, cool, whatever. Seems legit. Seems legit. Yep. Oh, and when uh, Anderson has his fight with the girl in his like Sherlock is alive club. <laughs> the Moriarty Yeah, because she ships Moriarty Sherlock and he's like, no, no, it's Molly Sherlock. <laughs> Yes. They pretty I'm much started you. a shipping war. RPA. Yeah, for In sure. Universe RPA. <laughs> Anderson is sadly one of us. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, consider the fact that this entire series was very much like, and this is a reference that like will only work in the context of us talking with the slash reporters, is like this is a series that has forty episodes, forty chapters. It was going really well until chapter thirty-eight. And then, like, the author went crazy or something like that and, like, fully committed to a completely bonkers plot thread that they're in love with that involves seven of their OCs, and they've lost it. They've lost their (laughs) thread. Yeah, although along those lines, actually, um, I lost track of how many times Prue and I each said, I read this fanfic as we watched the entire series. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same kind of thought when I was watching it. I was like, this feels like a fanfic I've read. This feels like a fanfic I've read. I think they were. A fanfic we've read. (laughs) Yeah. Which is not like a bad thing necessarily. No. Totally. I just want to know how Kate Lear feels about the Stagnite. I have a lot of. (laughs) (laughs) Just have like my own terrible nights like that. We can't, we can't blame that fully on theft. That's true. That's true. No, no, I don't think it is. That's not what I meant at all. Just. I would be interested, I'm just, I wonder how I would feel with some random thing I wrote and then I'd be like, huh, well then. <laughs> As many Anyways, from Star Atlantis experience when we were writing in that fandom, it feels weird. Okay, it got feels it. really weird. <laughs> I probably really like how AU, so I would never know this feeling. I was so gonna say, I don't, think, why I'm asking. I don't think anything I have ever written would ever wind up, like, reappearing in the show. I don't know, MK. Any minute now, surely Derek and Styles. They're just gonna fall in love with her food. (laughs) Fall into cute domestic love with over the course of several recipes, right? I wrote one plotty thing. One. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that was episode one. It concludes with John forgiving Sherlock, as we all knew that he would. But I'm glad that he made him work for it a little bit. Yes. Oh, we lost all the bonfire. Oh, yeah, sorry. Jesus it, Christ. It felt really that? tacked on, right? Like, it didn't I th- fit yes. with the episode. Well, really short version. Um, At one point, John was kidnapped, which is, like, his third or fourth time by now in the entire show. Um, And he gets stuck under a Guy Fox bonfire, and Sherlock pulls him out at the end. The traumatizing yeah. part of that was the child noticing and no one believing her. That was the only part I actually cared about. And normally I'm like, whatever, children, eat it. But this time I was like, that would be incredibly upsetting. Yes. Yeah. That kid's going to be afraid of scarecrows forever. Also, like, serious, she's going to have some big daddy issues where she's like, no, never listening to you again. You were yeah, wrong. You told yeah, you was fine, daddy. You're a liar. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy's a murderer. Exactly. God. Okay, so episode two, um, which I will attempt to narrate. <laughs> so in episode one, um, John does apparently manage to ask Mary to marry him. And episode two is about the wedding, but it's framed as a couple of cases all strung together with like one big conclusion. Um, it opens with Lestrade um, on this huge case that's really important to him. He also tries to like murder his own car. Um, at the very end, he's so close to getting it, and then Sherlock texts him with, like, emergency. And so Lestrade calls in, like, a SWAT team to Baker Street. 
And then he runs in, and Sherlock says, yeah, I'm going to be John's best man. How do I write a speech? And I don't know why Lestat doesn't just follow him by then and there, but he doesn't. And then uh, I think it just cut to the wedding, which is really pastel, so pastel. Um, you do realize most weddings are pretty pastel, right? Well, mine wasn't. I know, but, like, many weddings are very pastel. Also, England. <laughs> Also, I thought I this one looked beautiful. It was beautiful. It was also just really, really pastel. Like, I just noticed that. Pastels Anyways. are for Easter and weddings. I guess that's true. Right, so Shula gets up and gives his speech, and then we begin flashbacking to um, everything he described. So he talks about John, John asking him to be the best man, at which point Sherlock does a blue screen of death for, like, five minutes. It was so good. I it completely was really sympathized with him. <laughs> wait why would you sympathize with that are you kidding can you well no you wouldn't have this problem i would go up there and i would be like these sure are some meat obstacles how do i express feelings to them like, okay i think that he was more blue screening of death about the idea that he's john's best friend john's best friend and that john loves and cares for him oh sorry i misunderstood we i misheard you Yes. Sorry, I was further ahead. It's all good. Yes. Yeah, so Sherlock is shocked, shocked that John thinks he's his best friend. I mean, he goes through all the others. Anyway, so then he goes to, he begins his speech, and at first he just slags on marriage for like an hour, and then everyone is like, oh my god. But he then he's like, but John is a really good person, because he's willing to whatever. And then Sherlock begins to launch into funny stories, which are cases. Oh, but can we just say, like, this was one of the most moving best man speeches, like, I've, like speech period, I guess, that I've ever seen. Because he gets you so good with the, like, I hate marriage, these are all the reasons it sucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, mm -hmm. but if I can say that I support John in this because he's great and... Oh, just, it was, like, very moving for me. It is beautiful, although it only works if you're Sherlock. If I gave the speech, nobody would give a shit. Oh, it would work if I gave it, but I'm kind of a robot, so. Ah, well, too no, thorough. Just, don't let Ed K give a speech at my wedding. Um, no, I actually, part of the thing about that speech is, like, yes, it was good, whatever. The first part of it was, like, very moving, very touching. Like, I was sitting there thinking, like, if I was in the fucking audience at this wedding, Literally, the only thing I would come away with at the end of this best man speech is like, holy shit, fuck, this dude is working through the tragic aborted gay love that he has. <laughs> like, this yep. wedding must be like twisting a homosexual knife in the gut wound of his like necrotic affection for this dude that will never be completed because John is straight and marrying like. Mary, who he loves, but he's gonna sit here and bear witness to it as he, like, buries it even deeper. I was just like, oh my god, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> no! Yeah, it is an hour-long ship sinking, you're right. See, but here's the thing. I thought Mary was evil, so I was like, it's cool. <laughs> They're not gonna be together for very long. <laughs> it's gonna be totally fine. Um... And right, also, so, the other reason the speech oh. is great is because it's a frame narrative, giving you, like, backgrounds yes. that you actually need for, like, the the bigger frame. Yes. So, there's... Right, so the first mystery is a locked room um, thing where it's a... What are those things called? The royal guard something something? Yeah. The, the people with the tall hats that stand on the palace and can't move. He's something. like the queen's guard. Okay, yeah, so there's one. And he thinks he's been followed. And so Sherlock goes to investigate, only to find that this guy got into a shower, into a shower stall. And then next thing you know, there's blood everywhere. He's dead. And then Sherlock abruptly says, and I didn't solve it, the end. And oh, no, no, then... the guy's not dead. John saves his life. Oh, that's right. That's one of the great that's elements. Right. Sherlock thought... Oh, yeah, I forgot. That Sherlock really is trying good. to solve a murder, and John saves that man's life, preventing the and murder. Like, it's not a murder yet. He's still alive. Yeah. You're right. That was really, really good. And then Sherlock praises John for that again. It's basically a John Lovefest from Sherlock, which really shocked me. Yeah. But what the hell i'm all for that well he thinks anyway. his big gay romance is over mm -hmm. yeah he has to get it all out of his system because afterward he's just he gonna delete it yeah he can't he can't hold on to this anymore like 
this love will never be. <laughs> that is true. That is so true. Okay, so then after that, Shulk moves on to the embarrassing story, which is the stag night, which is my favorite part of the entire thing. That so, was an amazing. The best part is when they're on the stairs, like so drunk and so exhausted, and Mrs. Hudson's like, "You've only been out for two hours." And that includes right. travel time. Right. So basically, Sherlock decides he's going to give John the scientifically perfect stag knife. So he, like, makes Excel spreadsheets with how much alcohol John can, John can like, ingest. Um, so as they do a pop crawl, which I think is probably partly a world's end callback. Yeah. But as they're doing this, John is fucking with Sherlock's chemistry by sneaking shots into their graduated cylinders. Which, by the way, I call bullshit on... Sean not noticing that he's off by 40 mils. He probably just poured less beer in and then added the shot. That's true. Regardless, you know, bad scientists. Very bad. (laughs) And after, like, five bars um, or pubs or whatever, they are thoroughly trashed. And they're lying on the landing at Baker Street Live. And Mrs. Hudson comes in, as you mentioned earlier, and then, I guess, gets them upstairs where they begin playing uh, stupid games. And then they get a client. And they're like, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's go. Let's go solve and... a case while hammered. Exactly. And so this woman's telling them how she dated a ghost. She swears, you know, it was a ghost. And there have been lots of women who dated ghosts. And Sherlock does his subtitle scan. And he's so trash that things come up as... Um, high-tech speaker thingy, and city thing, <laughs> with six question marks after it, which is the greatest Sherlock scan ever. And then he falls asleep, and then... Wait, wait, no, no, we have to discuss how he falls asleep. He falls asleep yeah, while yeah. trying to he's magnify the at, carpet. He's, he's looking at evidence on carpet. Right? Uh, prue, prue. still in and of itself. Prue. He's uh, cluing for looks. Get it right. Yes. Yes. That's sorry. You are correct. He's cluing for looks, and it's an ordeal to even get to that point because he has to try and take off his coat and get his evidence kit out, which is hard. And then he like finally gets his little thing open and is like down on hands and knees looking at the carpet, and he falls asleep in the pile of the rug with his ass up in the air. <laughs> Great shot. Which I shouldn't laugh because you know, as someone who has been there and who has done that. <laughs> That's a rough place to be, spiritually. When you're that tired, you just want people to leave you alone. You can stop seeing the world and you can be drunk asleep. You and I just live such different lives. (laughs) And then, and then, the woman's husband or boyfriend or whatever, like, grabs Sherlock. And then Sherlock goes, no, no, no. You can't disrupt the evidence in the... And then he falls down, falls on the floor. And then John yells, crime scene! Yeah, that's it, crime scene! As Sherlock, like, pukes everywhere. Yes, which I thought was the most hilarious thing, even though I'm so sorry, having been there, you know. Yes, so it's the greatest stagnate of all time. Yes, and then it cuts to them waking up in a drunk tank, really hungover, (laughs) and Lestrade comes over to pick them up, and he mocks them. So delighted. Oh, I'm so happy. And he calls him lightweight. I love that. It only lasts two hours. John is like, can you please be quiet? And Lestrade just yells like, no, I can't. <laughs> what that a was dick. So great. Right. So he gets them out. And then um, what happens next? Does it go back? I think it goes back to the wedding at that point. Yes. yes. Oh, right. So at that point, remember, it's two. It's, it's the frame for two different narratives. So at that point, that's the funny story about John. And it's around that point that he ends up reading some telegrams, which I think is like a British wedding thing, where people who can't actually make the events send their best. I thought he started with the telegrams. Pardon? Doesn't he start with the telegrams, and then he freezes up, and then he goes into the funny stories and the marriage, blah? Maybe. I'm sorry. But, like, I... At some point he does, yeah. At at some point, like, at some point during the speech, it's him realizing... That someone is going to be murdered at this event. Oh, I know. Right. It's because so, they ask, like, how did you solve that case? And he's like, I didn't. We don't know. 
whatever, because we were so drunk. Um, and they come up with theories, right? Including, like, Molly's boyfriend, who looks exactly, well, not exactly, but very similar to Sherlock and wears his same coat and shit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, that was a great moment. Which is yeah, part of what and, clues Sherlock in. And poor Sherlock and John are just like, we're not, not even going to discuss that one. Yes. Nope, we're not talking about it. Right, so I think, okay, right. So at this point, Sherlock has a, a mind palace moment. He begins thinking about um who this dude is and then he figure he begins thinking about how the the woman knew the client knew john's name or His someone, middle name. one of the ladies knew john's name one um, of the ghost ladies ghost yeah boyfriend and ladies. then he yeah he thinks of all the ghost ladies and slowly well after a lot of things he realizes that everything is connected to the wedding which means that the evil person is at the wedding and someone's gonna die. Yes, and so he has to prolong his speech awkwardly in order to prevent a murder. Oh my god, so awkwardly. <laughs> like the most awkward yes. ever. But come on, it took him like ages to come up with his best man speech. He's not good at that, this that shit. That is true. Okay, so after that, um, so Sherlock figures out that this army commander that we were seeing flashes of from the very beginning must be the target of the murder. Oh. And he... Sorry, Sorry? the the great thing about this army commander is that both Sherlock and Mary are kind of jealous of him because he is, like, the first person that John has been obsessed with, Um, which leads me to suspect that this army commander is also secretly a sociopath. Okay, first of all, Mary was not jealous. Mary just accepted that John had others before her and was okay with it. She's doing a good job of playing normal. I don't trust her. Sherlock, on the other hand, doesn't, like is recently been endowed with the best friend title and is, like, not letting anybody else in on that. <laughs> I do love, though, that Mary is, like, neither of us were the first. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry you couldn't take John's virginity, Sherlock. <laughs> As if <I> ever <laughs> had virginity. Well, I was like, I think that boat sailed a long time ago, a actually. A long but time ago. John three fucking continents Watson, he had that lockdown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So, um... And then upon which they figure out, or Sherlock figures out how um, the guard was killed, which is that he had, like, a thing pressed into his belt that cut him, but would only kill him when he removed it, allowing him to bleed to death, and he realizes that this army dude has the same deal going. Which I did not see, like, I could not figure out how the murder was happening, whereas in the previous seasons of Sherlock, it was much easier for me to solve a crime. Uh, yeah. So I thought this was solid for a case. Yeah, it was a bit weird. But yeah, hey, it works. And then the nice thing is, you know, John is a doctor, so he runs in and saves the guy. And so they solve the crime and save the life. So, you know, pretty good days for, for a wedding. Um, and then we figure out that the photographer was a murderer. And then at the and then after that, they're dancing and Sherlock, to the waltz then, that Sherlock composed for them. Ah, yes. Um, and then Sherlock does his last deduction of the night, which is that Mary is knocked up. And then Yay! He total fan fiction! <laughs> really is. One million fan fiction! You would get a lot of hits on AO3. I no. sure did. <laughs> if, like, if I had written, like, if someone had written a story and it was like, John- Sherlock tells two batshit tales at John's <laughs> and reveals after John and Mary dance to the waltz he composed that Mary is prego. Everyone would read that and side-eye it like, oh my god, that's kind of garbage. <laughs> but it's okay, because Moffin Gatiss did it, and it was filmed, and therefore much more entertaining. <laughs> exactly. Okay, episode three, one of you, because I can't keep it straight. Oh, I will fall on that sword. As someone who like genuinely was entertained by the third episode. So we start off on episode three with John and John waking up from a nightmare because their neighbor is frantic and has um, knocked on their door wildly to say that her son has gone missing again. And he's been running with a bad crowd recently, mostly uh, like drug related stuff. And he sort of knows where the crack house is. So, you know, being John Watson and making very skillful, well thought out rational decisions. <laughs> Sticks a tire iron in his pants. <laughs> As you do. Or rather, his trousers. His trousers. And, and decides to go and get this kid back. And Mary, at this point, because we don't really know the whole Mary thing yet, 
understandably is like, uh, no, you're not. What are you doing? This is incredibly dangerous. And he's like, I have to go get this kid. She's like, well, I'm coming with you. And he's like, no, you're not. You're pregnant. She's like, well, then you're not going either. And he's like, fine, I'm bringing my pregnant wife on this, like, weird vengeance errand. Yeah, basically. And so him, his tire iron, his pregnant wife, who is still in her pajamas and broke, by the way. Dude, you're not going to make her change. She's pregnant. Yeah. All zip off to this crack house. And he leaves her, presumably, in front of this crack house alone and takes his tire iron, goes inside, beats the shit shit out of a junkie who tries to start shit with him, who clearly does not know about John Watson. (laughs) John Watson. (laughs) And finds the neighbor kid lying on one of the cracked end mattresses. And as he's collecting this kid, who should roll over in equally stunningly filthy clothes with his hair greased back like a total disgusting ball of grossness, (laughs) but fucking Sherlock. (laughs) At which point John has to frog march both of these assholes downstairs and Sherlock is in a horrible sulk. He's like talking about how he's working on a case. He's not back on the drugs, all of this terrible shit. John stuffs the kid inside, and then he stuffs Sherlock inside, and then the junkie who got his ass beat in the hallway of the crack house is like, guys, I think he broke my wrist. And John is like, it's sprained. I'm a doctor, I know. And he's like, but can you drive me to the hospital? And so then he's like, all right, fine, get in the back. And he has to drive everyone out of the crack house while Sherlock rides bitch and his wife is prego in the passenger seat of this stupid car. I like to imagine that this is basically just, like, every Saturday for the rest of their lives. It's, like, something similar to this. Yeah, it's a beaut- and, like, I love that as an opening, right? Like, it's something that's, like, both weirdly- it's weirdly comf- it's, like, um, like, John has always been a caring character. Like, he is the person who takes care of people, Mm -hmm. and I know maternal is not the right word for that, but so it is simultaneously, like, the maternal element of John Watson that we love so much, coupled with, like, the clear undiagnosed psychoses that he has, Mm -hmm. Um, coupled with the sheer, like, sort of almost delightful absurdity of the circumstances of his life as generated by the entropy machine that is Sherlock Holmes. Um, So they kind of buzz off. And the next scene you see is them in the lab at Bart's where John is forcing Sherlock to pee into a cup so that uh, Molly can test him. And then she beats the shit out of him. Then she slaps him three times, which uh, I and I cheered about. Basically the entire course of the series, whenever anybody hit Sherlock, we cheered. (laughs) Yeah, why wouldn't you? Uh, He deserved every single one. He deserved more. Yeah, he deserved every single one and more. Um, Probably still. Uh, And then you get into the actual meat of the real episode, which is this uh, character that we've seen little snatches of throughout the previous two episodes and who is named Magnuson and he is a media mogul. And I suppose they're trying to create someone who is a more evil version of Rupert Murdoch or possibly Roger Ailes. If you don't know who those people are, you need to get off Tumblr and read a newspaper. The thing about this guy as a villain is that when I was taking notes on the episode, which were like the worst notes ever, um, the first thing I wrote when I saw this guy was like, I'm sorry, is his villainous superpower supposed to be Google Glass? Like, is that where we are now? I think yeah, so. I thought that too. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I was like, this is dumb. Well, I thought so too, because like, whenever they were like, oh, this guy is so dangerous, like, he knows all of this stuff from his archives, and then he had the... The text appearing on screen. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. well, this is bullshit. It just means that, like, he has a network that can be hacked eventually, or archives that can be got at eventually. Exactly. Um, but ultimately, what he ended up turning out to be, this Magnuson character, I have to say, is incredibly powerful as a villain. Like, really? I, I thought he was yeah. I thought like, it was a letdown, because sorry. if they hadn't broken into his place that night, Mary would have killed him. Problem solved. No, absolutely. Just something that that I will get to, but in the quick overview of this episode, like, as a villain, he was disgusting. Like, he was absolutely revolting. Oh, he was. And the way that they sort of, like, had him transgress these, like, seemingly small and occasionally huge social mores, like, was amazing. Like, he was just the most disgusting person, and even though I wasn't the one who was being affected by it, like, I felt helpless 
just watching it. And that's incredibly well done. Like, that is really good character development. Like, bravo to that actor. Like, he did an incredible job. Um, I Like, my skin was crawling. I was so okay. pissed out. See, because my, my big thing is that, like, I refuse to let anyone control my destiny, right? Like, I will fight you tooth and nail about that. Like, that is the reason for so many of my shitty decisions in life is because I don't want to go along with the flow because that means I'm beholden to someone. Um, and to have him as that character, as the villain, astonishingly gross, so smart, really well done. Um, but in terms of like what actually happens in the rest of the episode, they basically get hired by this woman who's being blackmailed by Magnuson to try and intercede on her behalf. So he will give up the blackmail material that is on her husband. Uh, Magnuson shows up at the meet, pees in Sherlock's fireplace. Clearly there's no deal. But then the two of them decide they're going to break into Magnuson's office, which is facilitated by a really great scene that happens a little bit earlier in the episode where we find out Sherlock has a girlfriend. Like, once <laughs> he's banging. Yes. And um, banging and a lot. Like, Why the fuck is this happening? And then you realize that the girlfriend is Magnuson's personal secretary. And you're like, all right, fine. I see how this goes. But this is where he does the thing where I was like, I had to hit pause on the episode. And Aya and her housemate were both like, had to listen to me have like a fucking meltdown about this. Because in order to get upstairs to Magnuson's private office, which is oh. accessible by his direct staff, Sherlock breaks into the office and pretends that he is about to propose marriage to his girlfriend. I do not care what you are doing. I don't care how many people in the free world you're about to save. That shit is not okay. Like, that is so not okay. That is like Satan is looking at architectural plans and trying to figure out a new place for his backhoe in the pit he has to dig for you. Because that is so fucked up. Like, you're going to get down to, like, the seventh circle and, like, Judas Iskaro is going to look at you and be like, dude, that was not cool. Like, I know that I gave the Judas kiss and Jesus got killed because of that shit, but, like, what you did, not cool. So not cool. Anyways, they get upstairs. They find in the middle of this entire milieu that it's Mary Watson holding a gun in tat gear about to kill Magnuson. Only Sherlock sees that. Only Sherlock sees that. Sorry, my apologies. Only Sherlock sees that because John is checking up on some other people who have been, like, struck in the head and knocked unconscious. Um, and Mary, making a split-second decision, shoots Sherlock in the stomach uh, and pistol-whips Magnuson and gets the fuck out of there. Thus following a really interesting series of scenes where in the three seconds Sherlock has immediately post-shot, he is going through a mad series of deductions to try and decide how he can stay alive. And I thought that that was really lovely. I loved the fact that Molly was his scientific voice, as Aya pointed out earlier. Yeah, that was perfect. That was great. And then you had... Um, Mycroft. Mycroft helping him figure out whether or not the shot was a through and through, or if it was still in his body. Mm-hmm. And what should happen afterward. And I think that that is the point at which I think we can all safely agree that the episode completely went off the rails. You don't like the Moriarty in there? <laughs> you know, no, I love the Moriarty in there. I mean, Mori- yeah, Moriarty was like his death wish or just his dark side. But then he wills himself back to life by the power of John's pure, pure love. It's true. It was some very clamp shit right there. Oh, he had ripped out a. This is some magic. That is, I was like, totally plausible. No, I believe that too. (laughs) No, it is, but you don't... Anyways. Yeah, I 100% believe that. I was like, yeah, sure, Sherlock would save himself through the power of John's love. I'll I'll buy it through that. But then, like, the rest of the episode, you're just like, what is going on? Like, Sherlock breaks himself out of the hospital. He has a confrontation with Mary, trying to figure out what the fuck her deal is. It turns out that she used to do what works with the CIA, went off books, did a lot of fucked up shit. And has been lying about her identity since she met John. This is, like, revealed to John. And then this turns into this whole big thing where her attempt to pull her out of the blackmail spot with Magnuson was obviously busted because John and Sherlock rolled up. And then the two of them eventually go and have a horrible confrontation with Magnuson that is concluded when Sherlock shoots him in the head. And then he has to be sent away because he's a murderer. Well, we met his family in the middle, too. Yeah, his parents. Yeah, his parents, 
And, you know, like he tries to steal Mycroft's laptop to institute some like national security shit, whatever. All that matters is in the end, Sherlock shoots Magnuson um, and then is going to be sent away. And at the very end of the episode, Moriarty shows up again. So when I say that the episode went off, having the stolen the animation from Skyfall, which I think this this episode was secretly a Skyfall AU, I'm just saying. Yes. Here's very, the thing. Very much so. I would say I st- like fully believe that Moriarty is dead and that this is just some shit he filmed ahead of time that Moran is distributing. Sure. That's fine, but you can't use it like that. It was just so, it was such a cheap trick in the end of it. Like, so absurd. Okay, so this, as I said, this is why I mean that, like, right after the deductive scene, like, when Sherlock ends up in the hospital, that is the point at which everything kind of goes off the rails. Um, before we start dissecting this in more detail, I'm going to ask us one by one, overall, rating this series of three episodes did you like it more or did you dislike it more mk disliked it more wait you mean just like 50 percent each way like which was stronger like overall would you say that you liked the series or did you not oh i liked it i had okay. some issues like it wasn't like as it was less like than previous seasons right but still more like than dislike yeah okay Aya? Um, unfortunately, I, yeah, I didn't hate everything, but it's definitely more dislike than like. Okay. And in my case, I have more like than dislike, and I would say I actually liked this season a lot better than season two. Um, Hmm. yeah. Interesting. Well, I hated, um, I hated, hated the Irene Adler episode so much, like, Flames. Flames on the side of my face. (laughs) Right? Like, crazy, burning, burning. Clue Mansion hated that episode. (laughs) Um, Which I recognize I'm pretty much in the minority about. But, um... You usually uh, convince me, like, six months later, though. So in six months, I'll probably be like, she was goddamn right! Yeah. So, let's let's get down to brass tacks. What, what didn't work and I, uh... Let your ripcord go. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so I should say, you know, I'm coming at this from the perspective of someone who is into um, genre stuff. I like procedurals. Um, I like mysteries. I'm not the biggest Conan Doyle fan, but I did read them. And for me, Sherlock Holmes should be about Sherlock Holmes. It should be about being smart in interesting ways, and it should have mystery solving it should have a procedure. And it's cool, you know, that they're wrapping it into more character things, which I think is really great. But you didn't have to give it all up. Like, you could still show, like, John and Sherlock not working well with each other while on one single continuous mystery. And you can still have your cake and eat it, too. But I feel like in here, he just sort of jumped on both cakes and ruined them both. <laughs> so, like, I, I wanted a detective story. I didn't really get much of one i want to show up being clever we have some of it but i feel much less than in seasons one and two and again for me in because i am a genre person episode three degenerated into a skyfall au became an adventure story which is fine if you like it like nothing against that but that's not what i'm here for so that lost me like for i was really loving episode two but i got lost after episode three that's the end mk your thoughts um episode one felt pretty jumbled to me but there were lots of elements in it that i really liked and i was laughing and like having a good time in general but afterwards i wasn't as satisfied as i have been in previous seasons right um episode two was like that was perfect for me i really loved it i thought that was like just stellar all the way through. Right. Um, and then episode three, I was like, hmm, this is fine. But, like, I wasn't laughing, I wasn't having a good time, and I wasn't satisfied with anything that was happening in it. I right. wasn't afraid of that villain. He grossed me out. I would say the only time I was afraid of him is when he licked that woman's face. That was just, that was really gross. like, a full-body recoil when that yeah, happened. Like, yeah, like, that was horrifying, but otherwise, I was like, just kill him. Just kill him. The whole episode. Like, right away, mm-hmm. I was like, somebody just shoot that dude in the head. You can clean up his files or archive or whatever. 
just kill him and light his house on fire. It'll be fine. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the problem with positioning... So here's where I... Like, my basic feeling on the series was I thought it was great fun. I actually really liked the first episode because while it didn't have the strongest, like, episodic plot to it, I totally understood why they had to do it that way because that first episode with him coming back has to be more about John and Sherlock getting their shit together and Sherlock um, earning John's forgiveness than anything else. And it also has to do this very delicate double duty of introducing Mary into the mix and having everyone like her. And I think it accomplished both of those goals very ably. Um, It also managed to be sort of funny, uh, which was great. And I think we all agree that episode two was fantastic. So Mm -hmm. good. Really, really funny. I loved it. Which was, which is actually fairly rare because if you look at the history of Sherlock, right? Like the blind banker was the weakest one of the first season and Hound Baskervilles was not the greatest episode of season two. Um, But the wedding episode from season three was fantastic. And a lot of that had to do with the frame narrative and stuff like that. And um, the way that all of those cases intersect while still having such a strong character arc. Yes. Plus, you know, like enough cannot be said about how great it is that you got these sort of flashbacks to the lead up to the wedding and the most bridezilla person at that event was Sherlock. Sherlock. Yes. I love him turning that child into like a fellow sociopathic crime fighter. It was pretty great (laughs) because it basically just proves that he is like a kid. He is like a kid Mm -hmm. who likes gross dead things that he found at the bottom of the garden. Yes. He wants in life. Exactly. Um, And I also sort of I think that there was something really beautifully melancholy about that episode so that like if you were a regular like non-slash Sherlock John fan you could read something sad into it the way that you know like I've got friends who are getting married all this other stuff happening like and even though you stay friends it's not really like they've gone forever to another side of the prairie to make a land statement or something like that it does change the dynamic there is something quite sad about that and I think that for guys it's amplified because your friendships are intimate in a different way than female friendships are so there was something lovely and melancholy about that and if you were a slash fan essentially like i said that whole speech was just like this poor motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) letting go of this like love that will never dare to speak its name um in the midst in the midst of you know okay but i will say after the reveal finally that mary is not actually evil but has done terrible things and is probably also like pretty sociopathic I was like, they could totally have, like, a functioning relationship in which Sherlock is sometimes involved. No, that's absolutely yeah. true. Um, totally. For the third episode, for the third episode, I think this is where it went wrong, right? And I, just as a preface and just to disclaim a lot of this, like, I know that a lot of the internet has problems with the way that Stephen Moffat writes women. I don't know what any of it means because I don't watch enough of his stuff. Um, the only stuff of his oeuvre that I can really utilize to, like, as a comparative is other episodes of Sherlock. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Irene was a poorly written women, woman. I think she was just a baffling character. Um, I think you have to look more at the minor characters in Sherlock, for examples of, because I've watched all of Doctor Who, right? I can tell right. you that you have to look at the way they treat people like Mrs. Hudson and Molly in Sherlock, for examples of how he generally writes women. Well, I love Molly and Sherlock, though. Sure. However, if you look at the way that, um, even when you think, like, oh, it's great, Molly's getting over Sherlock, she's gonna be, like, her own strong person, they bring it back down to ridicule of Molly because she'll never be over him. He's the central thing in her life. The dude she's dating is Sherlock Light. Okay, that's fair. The same way that, like, Mrs. Hudson... You know, you see all this great stuff about her, but really the thing is, she's a batty old woman who doesn't know anything and doesn't know when to shut her mouth. And that's the kind of thing that they, in the quieter moments, will exemplify. Gotcha. Okay, so the my major thing about the way that the third episode was structured is that that plot is written by people, or was written by two people who, like, clearly took a look at the story and then never for a minute thought about, like, a way to make it much more logical by flipping who has the agency in that, right? Like, if I was writing that story and I wanted to tell the story of Mary Watson, who is not actually Mary Watson, 
um, but who needed to lock this shit down in order to move on with her life. But I also wanted to tell the story about this Magnuson guy and I needed it to end with Sherlock having to take the fall and like leave. Here's how I would have structured it. The whole story would have started off with the central mystery of this billionaire guy that everyone was terrified of being found murdered in his office. No one knows why no one knows how. And Sherlock is brought on to investigate the case. And through the course of his investigation, he realizes the truth about Mary. Um, and when it comes down to like the beckoned moment and John can have a hyper compressed version of his freak out the way that he does in the episode, Sherlock recognizes like, holy shit, John's about to be a father. Mary like loves him. The thing that I can do for them is that I can take the fall for this because they don't need me to be here. They've got each other. And if anyone tries to start shit with John, I'm pretty sure Mary can like take them down with one hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he can take the fall for that and he can get sent away. The whole thing becomes much more heroic. It puts Sherlock back in his sweet spot where he's solving crimes and he's up against, um, he's up against not even a villain, right? It's just a straight mystery. And mm-hmm. it makes it a more intriguing mystery because it's someone no one minds is dead. Everyone is just really excited that he's dead. Yes. And it makes the whole thing, like, it erases all of, like, the narrative blah that you have in that episode that made it so hard to swallow. I would totally have preferred that. And mm-hmm. part of the reason okay. is, when I was watching that episode, before Sherlock kills Magnuson... My thought was, surely Mary has woken up already because the dosage was wrong. And she's, like, in the field with a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. I thought she was yeah. going to kill Magnuson and they would get away with it. Or even John was going to kill Magnuson. Right, then, because he's done yeah, it before. That's what I was waiting for. I was really waiting for him to, like, pull the trigger. Like, when he goes Sherlock, I thought that he was going to say, like, take care of Mary, I'm about to kill this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I would take either of those. Like, Mary or Watson killing him yeah it's one of those moments where like as a whole when i consume media i prefer not to do it with like an interrogative eye because it does take away some of it right like you sit there and you're like oh man like my woman study like powers are like kicking in and this isn't as fun so i generally like for better or worse i choose not to be very hypercritical or even critical at all of the media that i watch as long as it's entertaining but in this case it was so screamingly obvious to me that the correct answer the better storytelling answer was one that could have been easily discovered just through some restructuring and by turning it and so that mary rescues herself but maybe not, because these things are always complicated. So you can still have Sherlock be the hero of his story, while Mary is the hero of her own, right? Like, yeah. these things can live in harmony. But it was just very clear to me that, like, that had been discarded as not the way they wanted to tell the story. And it was because they just hadn't considered this as an option, which was a true weakness, I think, of that episode. Yeah, agreed. I know, I know. But okay, let's discuss the stuff that we liked. Um... God, I don't know. I liked a lot of things. What do you want from me? I liked episode two, which I've said like ten times now. It was really funny. I mean, my so what's funny is that my first Seamoffa show was Coupling, which is really funny, just a sitcom, and he was really good at it. So I thought he was the greatest, and then I watched Sherlock. <laughs> I actually, guys, I think we might have enough stuff if we want to do, is there anything you want to recommend or anything? Like, I think we've covered, mm. we have like an hour I, 20 of audio. I haven't read any fix, so I've got nothing. Like, I, you know, that's something we can close the conversation on. None of us have read anything? Well, no, like, I think that one thing that, um, I and I noticed, right, and that I don't know whether it's because of my very extensive blacklisting prior to um, the episodes running or if the fandom has just been very dormant post the series or maybe it's just because we're still waiting for the other two episodes to oh, yeah. be uh-huh. as of now. But we have not seen the sort of explosion of fanfic the way that we did for the first two series is. Um, after the episodes have run. And I don't know whether I'm just missing it or if it's actually not happening. I think it's actually not happening because, I mean, I didn't... I've been on Pinboard a lot lately uh, and I haven't seen anything. I think it's really hard to fix for, not just because of Mary, but the 
there isn't really an overarching narrative. And also, it takes place in what feels like three days. Yes. Yeah. Season one and two, you know, take months and months. Though I will say, in retrospect, now that I look back at it, I would love to see a Sherlock uh, wedding planner type AU, where he's an <laughs> asshole, but he's also the greatest wedding planner of all time. What? I like that. that. He meets, and then he meets John and Mary as they're getting their wedding planned. Something like that. But yes, exactly. I just want you to know that, like, your entire, like, apparent oeuvre of loves is J-Lo rom-coms, and for that, our friendship is over. I've never actually <laughs> seen a J-Lo rom-com. That makes it even more appalling that you are, like, attracted to this. Friendship over. Friendship over. No, I need you. I'm sure I've said this, like, a hundred million times by now. Maybe it'll stick this time. Maybe it'll stick this time. (laughs) (laughs) You wish. Meanwhile, I'm thinking about how to FedEx this girl fish pie. Yeah. Nice. I know. I'll make it for you when I'm in Toronto next, buddy. All right, so I think that covers it. We loved lots of it. We disliked parts of it. Let us know how you felt about it. Um, and we will obviously put up a spoiler warning on the Slash Report Twitter uh, for when we do retweet those. Any closing thoughts, MK, Aya? No, I liked it, but, I don't know, fandom needs something to hook into, and I'm just not seeing it in this series. Aya? Drunk detection is the best thing ever. City <laughs> chair, city thing. High-tech, sneaky <laughs> things, cardigan. <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> On that note, my closing thought is that it sounds like a great idea for me to go rewatch that episode and relive the joy. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we will see you on the flip side. Bye. 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 doctors to have feelings. I just want them to have science.